This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Thank you, Brother Ed, for leading us in that last song. That uh, is one that I grew up singing in southeast Georgia. That happens to be my grandpa's favorite song, so thank you for leading us in that and for teaching our Bible class and, and, and for serving as a mentor to me. We appreciate you and all the efforts uh, that you're doing here. Corey, thank you for the wonderful communion thought this morning, brother. Good to see you up here. Corey's a good friend of mine. I thought you did an outstanding job this morning uh, teaching us and reminding us to think through what communion is and what it represents. We're appreciative to you. I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ what a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest, and we want you to do us a favor. In the back of the pew in front of you, you'll see a visitor's card. We just simply ask that you take that card out, fill it out, and you can pass that card in to me, or there's a box in the foyer, or you can pass that card to one of our six shepherds, we just want to have a record of your attendance so that we can invite you back out to this church because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. This is a special place, and we're excited that you are here with us. Before we begin, I've got to, I've got to say two things. Uh, one is our Vacation Bible School update. I want to say thank you to everyone who's been helping out so far up to this point. Uh, do want to say this, we don't need any more TP rolls, okay? We have plenty of those now. We appreciate your service in that capacity. We might be overloaded, okay? So uh, no more TP rolls. We're not collecting any more of those, uh, but we are taking T-shirts, okay? So now in phase two of this operation, if you have some T-shirts that you can donate plain, please bring those in. We can definitely use those. And a special thank you to everybody who came out Wednesday night to help us cut those crafts and glue stuff. We really appreciate your service. Wednesday night, we haven't been studying the Bible but we have been doing the Bible, which is good to think about. Marinate on that for a minute. So we thank you for coming and serving in that capacity. This morning, I've got my brother in arms here with us, and I'm so excited to see him. Marcus is here along with his wife, Dawn, and their beautiful daughter, I believe, is here with him as well. Marcus is a writer for the Bay Area News Group, and he got to cover this whole year, the Golden State Warriors and their rise to the NBA championship. I've seen him on ESPN and SportsCenter. Uh, it's good to see him and see him so excited about his Warriors. But Marcus, next year, it's all about the Los Angeles Lakers, okay? So enjoy your time, brother. <laughs> enjoy your time. This morning, today, we are going to close out our sermon series entitled Walking in faith. And as you know, walking in faith can change our lives and the lives of the people we choose to surround ourselves with. And I believe we are in a season at this church where God is urging us to walk in faith to fulfill his purposes in the world. In part one, we talked about the idea of being a fan or a follower of Jesus, if you can remember that far back. And we said that Jesus doesn't need any more fans. He has plenty of fans. What Jesus wants from us is he wants us to be followers. And if you recall in week number two, we discussed the importance of processing our next steps and 
focusing on the future and letting the past be the past. And finally, today, let us close out our series with talking about what real faith looks like by examining the life of the great apostle Peter. Now, if you notice, the definition of what is real has changed in America. Would you agree? When you think about what is real, that that definition has changed. Today we have reality TV shows, and if you've ever watched any of those, you know they're all real. Nothing scripted at all, but they are reality television shows. What about real fruit flavors in your favorite foods or candies? I don't know. I don't eat that much candy, but um, real fruit flavors, it's changed. I had a friend uh, who came out this way from South Africa. Uh, He was a buddy of mine, and he spoke the Kosa language. Try saying that, right? He was African, and he came to America, and he said, Jason, when I come to America, you have to take me to this place where they serve real Angus beef. And I said, where do you want to go? He said, Burger King. I said, are you sure about that? He said, yeah, in South Africa, we see the commercials about Burger King and the beef looks just so great. I bet you it's far better than anything we have out here in South Africa. And I said, all right, I'll take you to Burger King. So he ordered some beef. He ordered a hamburger. And he looked at the hamburger and he said, what is this? And I said, that's 100% real Angus beef. And he was confounded and confused that day upon his definition of what he thought real was. The, The definition of real has changed. And I wonder if the definition of real faith has changed today as, to po- as opposed to what it was back in the first, second, third centuries. I wonder our, if our definition of faith is, is a lot different than their definition of faith. I wonder what they would think if they looked at the modern-day church in America and compared it to what they were going through at that time. I wonder what they would say about our faith. I think the definition of faith has changed. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take a step back in time and I want to define and look at what real faith looks like as we examine the life of the Apostle Peter. So if you have your Bibles this morning, let's open up to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5 and verse number 8. And the scripture here says this, when Simon Peter saw this, He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now, if you've ever read this passage before or studied the context of this passage, you know there were some very unique things going on, right? Jesus came to the earth in the flesh and began to preach and teach the good news to people in the surrounding regions. Great crowds of people would follow him. It came to a point where Jesus was so bombarded and crowded by the people, he hopped into a boat, and the boat happened to belong to Simon Peter. And he said to Simon Peter, go out just a little bit so that I can have some distance between myself and the crowd. And Jesus began to speak to the crowd. If you notice here, Peter's 
relationship with Christ began on the water. And that's a theme throughout Peter's entire life, if you think about it. So Jesus said, go out just a little bit and let me talk to the people. And if you remember the story, Peter had been out on the lake all day long and all evening fishing and trying to find fish and nothing was in his nets. And he got so frustrated and the rest of the fishermen that they said, let's pull these nets in and let's start cleaning them, right? And if anybody is a fisherman this morning, you've probably experienced that before, right? I'm a cat fisherman, okay? I spent my childhood in Georgia, so I like going out and eating mudfish, as some people like to call them, right? And in order to catch a catfish, sometimes you've got to go into some areas and stay there all day because they're bottom feeders. And I can recall fishing at the lakes and at the rivers and staying out till 2, 3, four in the morning watching the sunrise and not having a single bite. And when you're at that point, you finally give up and say, okay, it's time to go home. And when you finally get to that point of being a fisherman and giving up, the last thing that you want to do is go back out to the water and try again. You're ready to go home. Forget the fish. We'll eat some chicken. Amen. But Jesus was here with his disciples, and he changed the situations. They had begun to clean their nets and were ready to go in for the day. And Jesus said to Peter, put your nets back into the water. And I bet you Peter was like, what are you talking about? I was out here all day and I just cleaned the nets. The last thing I want to do is throw them back in the water. But because you said so, I'll do that. And then the scripture says that they caught so much fish that as they begin to load it into the boats, the boats begin to sink. And here's Peter's response. Go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. Peter realized his sinful condition and knew he was unworthy to be in the presence of God. And that's the first thing that I want you to remember about real faith. When you have real faith, you realize constantly that you are in a condition of sin. No matter how long you've been in the church, no matter how many times you read your Bible, no matter how many good works you do, you're always reminded that you're a sinful person. That's the start of real faith. That's how it begins, and you realize in comparison to the life of Jesus that you are just so unworthy to be in the presence of God, and that's why worship is so powerful for us, right? When we come to the Lord's house on a Sunday morning and we get to worship Him, we're thinking in our minds, we're just so unworthy to even be here and to know the Lord. But because of His grace, we're able to approach Him through prayer and through communion. And that's really the foundation of real faith realizing that we're all broken pieces of pottery and we're just so unworthy. But thanks be to the Lord for his grace and his mercy. And that's where it begins. That's the foundation of real faith. What else does real faith look like? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 14, verses 29 and 30. Here we see another theme of water with Peter, right? And I just want you to keep that in the back of your minds as we continue on. Another situation here, Matthew chapter 14, Verses 29 and 13, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Wow. 
But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And begin, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, Lord, save me. And we all know this passage of Scripture. We've all read through this before. And here again we see a theme with Peter on the water. The question is, what was Peter thinking to make him believe that he can walk on water? He was a fisherman, right? Spent all his days on water. If he could walk on water, fishing would be so easy, right? He knew this was an impossibility to walk on water. But when he saw Jesus, he said, anything is possible. And I hope and pray as a church we think the same way. Because we know Jesus, we need to realize and understand that anything is possible with the Lord. Anything. So old presumptuous Peter saw Jesus. He said, fellas, y'all stay on the boat. Watch what I'm getting ready to do, right? I don't know if he really said that. That's the Darden International Version, okay? But you got to stay on the boat, and I'm going to step out of the boat and begin to do something that is an impossibility to do. And the funny thing is, he got out, and he started walking on the water. But then the Scripture says, when the winds begin to blow and the waves begin to crash, he began to sink. His faith allowed him to walk on the water in his relationship with the Lord. Here's what I want you to know about real faith, okay? In real faith, there are ebbs and flows in your journey. Can you identify with that? Can you think back in a time in your life where you just felt so on fire for the Lord and doors were opening up and you saw blessings left and right and you were doing things that you thought you could never do? We all can think back at those times, right? Where you were doing some amazing work and things were opening up and God was really blessing you. But then a difficulty occurred, right? And what did it do to your faith? It challenged you. Have you ever been unemployed before? That's a challenge. Have you ever had a family member or maybe you come down with cancer or some kind of sickness? Have you ever had a death in the family? And what that does for some people with their faith is it makes them really sink down. So in this spiritual journey, what real faith looks like is you need to know that there are ebbs and flows, right? It's really hard to stay consistent. There's ebbs and flows, and you shouldn't let those ebbs and flows discourage you. Just know that that's a natural part of the faith progression and situation that we're in. So what does that call us to do? It calls us to do what the song says, hold to God's unchanging hand. Because no matter how much we believe we won't, we do change. But if we hold on to God's unchanging hand, he'll help us stay on the straight and narrow, even in the midst of difficulty. So in real faith, there's ebbs and flows. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? You ever asked yourself that question before? Maybe it's just me. Um, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Gave a good number. Seven. I kind of like that number. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven you see, Peter knew what it meant to be offended by people that he loved. I wonder what his fellow fishermen were thinking when he decided to leave his boat and follow this charismatic young leader. 
the fishermen were probably like, you're in a good profession. You're getting ready to do what? Give up your boat and go follow this guy? Are you kidding me? And I wonder what choice words they had for Peter. You know, fishermen don't have strong language at all, right? I wonder what words they were using in talking about how crazy this guy Peter was. And then we realized that Peter grew up in a kind of Jewish tradition and household. I wonder what his family was saying about him, what his friends were saying about him. Jesus, you're following this Jesus character. What, what are you doing, Peter? So he probably encountered a lot of hardship and difficulty. Maybe his family members wanted to disown him. But let me tell you about real faith. Real faith means that you have a very high tolerance for being hurt by people. Let me say that one more time, and you write that one down. Real faith means that you have a really high tolerance when it comes to being hurt by people. Real faith means that you are a subject matter expert in overlooking offenses and forgiving. That's real faith. When someone cuts you or says something about you, you're able to overlook it, right? I had that situation happen to me the other day. I'm driving, minding my own business, listening to VBS music. Some person cuts me off and then gives me two, I don't know what they're called, phalanges, maybe? Is that the right word? I don't, I don't know. But gave me two of them, not one, but two at the same time, and they were still driving. I don't know how that happened. That person was at fault. Then they had the nerve to project it onto me like it was my fault. And the first thing in my head is I got really upset. And then I said, wait a minute. I'm a believer. What are you going to do to that? There's nothing for me to be upset about. That you, I'll pray for you. And we got to learn to let things go and forgive. We have a high tolerance. But I know some people in the church, they get so offended about any and everything. And that's not what real faith looks like. Real faith means that you are long-suffering, and it takes a lot and a whole bunch to cause you to be offended. But many of us who have been in the church for a while, sometimes we see the exact opposite. Don't talk about that tuna casserole, right? Don't talk about the color of the carpet. Don't talk about this or that. But we have a high tolerance, and we're able to forgive. And forgiveness is a very, very powerful, powerful tool. And if you have real faith, that's what you have, an ability to be a subject matter expert on forgiveness, to let things go. I'm almost done here, church. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 11. You guys have read through this passage before. I find it very interesting here. It says this, When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Have you guys read through this passage of Scripture to know what was going on here and why Paul had to rebuke Peter and oppose him to his face? Believe it or not, Peter had a habit of being hypocritical at times. And aren't we all guilty of that at times? Peter had this habit of being hypocritical sometimes. And the story goes that sometimes he would fellowship and eat with Gentiles. But his Jewish buddies weren't around, so he felt like that was okay to do. So they are eating bacon and all kind of stuff, right, that you shouldn't have been eating, according to Jewish tradition and customs. And Peter was having a good time eating all of that stuff. But when his Jewish buddies came, he acted like he didn't even know the Gentiles. 
wouldn't fellowship with him, wouldn't talk with him, and definitely wouldn't eat with him. And then Paul had to rebuke him to his face. And you know what Peter did? Who do you think you are talking to me like that? I'm leaving. That's not what he did. Real faith means that you are able to accept and you welcome correction in your life. And that's a hard one to do, isn't it? Real faith means that you're able to accept and welcome correction in your life. Real faith means that you acknowledge that there can be error in your life that you're unaware of. And that's what it means to have real faith, to know that you could be wrong at times. I could be wrong at times. And we need our brothers and sisters in Christ and others to come and gently correct us and make us aware. And then lastly, Matthew chapter 16, verses 22 and 23. This is a very interesting passage. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Do you understand what's going on right here? Peter rebuked Jesus. Just, just think about that for a moment. God in the flesh. Jesus. Peter rebuked Jesus. That's like your kids telling you to be quiet. Or no, Mom, you're wrong. I won't go to bed at 8.30. The audacity to think that you could rebuke God in the flesh, but that's what Peter did. Jesus, this won't happen. You know, it reminds me of this. I wonder if Jesus came back to earth and said, it's okay to clap and raise your hands in worship. If some of us would say, that's not what the Bible says, Jesus. Right? Jesus, you don't understand. That's not what it says. In other words, Peter had a better understanding than Jesus. In other words, Peter knew better than Jesus. He knew what was better for the church than Jesus. He knew better. And he was going to protect the church. That's what he had in his mind. I'm going to protect you, Jesus, and I'm going to protect the church. But what Peter really did is he got in the way of God's plan on the earth. He got in the way of what Jesus was trying to accomplish in the world. He got in the way. And then the Bible says that Jesus had to rebuke him and said, you don't have the things of God in mind. You have the things of men in mind. In other words, Peter, your heart might have been right, but your actions were wrong. And I want to say this this morning, church. Sometimes we want to protect so much that we place boundaries around where God didn't place boundaries. We place boundaries around God's purposes for the church and the world where he didn't place them. And what we're saying is we know better. Real faith means that you let go and you let Jesus drive and let the Holy Spirit lead. And that's hard to do sometimes because it's scary. Because all of a sudden you're not in control 
anymore. That's hard for me. That's something I struggle with daily. How do I let go? Because it feels so uncomfortable. But real faith says, let go and let Jesus take control. Watch what he does. And then Matthew chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, as I conclude this morning. The Bible says this, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Again, here we see a theme with Peter being on the water with Jesus. And Jesus says, real faith, if you want to know what it is, Peter, is to drop everything you're doing and to follow me and to fish for men. Right? That's what real faith is. And I think today, culturally, in many of our American churches, maybe we've lost sight of this just a little bit. Because in our minds, faith is all about consumerism, I think. We come and we are entertained. Or we come and we are fed and then we leave. We're com- we come and that's what we do and that's real faith. But Scripture says real faith is following and making fishers of men. Or being a fisher of men and making disciples. And let me say this real quick too. Fishermen just don't stay in one location waiting for the fish to come by and bite. And some of you are saying, no, no, that's what we do. Well, you're probably not a good fisherman then, right? I've tried that. It doesn't work, okay? Fishermen that are really good fishermen, they don't stay in one location for two, three weeks without a nibble. They go and look for areas where there might be fish. They're constantly on the lookout, right? And I think we may have this backwards just a little bit sometimes. We want the fish just to come to us. And we say we have all the right bait. But real fishermen, they move all around looking for fish that have not been touched because sometimes what happens is there's overfishing, right? You've heard of that. There's not many fish in that area because they've already been fished. And overfishing occurs. They don't stay in one location often, like I said, waiting for the big one to land, but they go and search for the big one. And that's why I think Jesus' words are so profound when he says, go and make disciples. And what I love about our church so much is that we have people that are in different career fields, in different locations. In a lot of ways, we're commuter churches, so you're all over the place, right? And that's great because I think that's God's strategic plan for our work here. But he wants you to go and find disciples and make them, right? Go find them and go fish. And it's an exciting thing when you catch the big one. And then you get to brag about how big it is, which I never do. But it's an exciting thing, right? So as we conclude this morning, what is real faith and what does it look like? In review, real faith means that we realize that we are sinners and that we are unworthy to be in the presence of God. Real faith reminds us that there are ebbs and flows in our journey. And sometimes it can be great and sometimes it can be difficult. Real faith means you have a high tolerance when it comes to being hurt by people and that you are a subject matter expert in forgiving and overlooking offenses. Real faith means that you're willing and able and welcome correction in your life. Real faith means that you let let go and let God lead you. And real faith is all about following and becoming fishers of men. And I'm excited for our church during this season. I think God has blessed us with six amazing men of God to serve as our shepherds. I think that the Lord has blessed us with a handful of great deacons. 
I think the Lord has blessed us with Bible school teachers, work, uh, youth workers, and servants on every level. And I think, and I shouldn't say think, I know that God is going to do some amazing things here at this church over the next couple of years, and I'm excited. And I hope and pray that you're excited as well, and that we'll all join together in working to follow Jesus and to fish for men. And I think if we do that, God can do some amazing things through our efforts here. So thank you for your time this morning. We've got a song of invitation selected. And during that time, we're going to ask anyone here that might have a need to come forward. The church will pray with you, will pray for you to encourage you. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian yet, and the question I have for you is why not? There's no greater joy in this life than to become a child of God. And the way you go about that process is you've got to accept the Lord as Savior in your life. You've got to repent of your sins. You've got to confess them. And today we'll baptize you in water and you can have your sins and iniquities washed away and you can be added to the greatest kingdom on earth. And this morning, if you hadn't taken that step, I would invite you to take that step. 